They must be destroyed on sight. Okay, uh, welcome, one and all, to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, a movie podcast. Uh, my name is Lee Russell, and I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Harper. Say hello, Daniel. How's it going, Lee? It's going good. It's going good. Uh, we're going to, I guess this will be sort of the official, real first episode of this podcast, so... Um, As opposed to the imaginary or irrational ones that we already did? Yeah, yeah. The, Sorry, uh, math joke, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, sort of t- uh, test pilot episode we did um, of American Hustle, which you can see if you go to my uh, YouTube page, uh, but uh, don't expect the best sound quality. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into the uh, swing of things. We're just gonna we're going to talk about one movie uh, today. Uh, it's Kill List from 2011, uh, directed by. Ben Wheatley, and uh, the interesting thing here is Ben Wheatley is a director who uh, sort of has produced some things in the uh, circles you run in a bit more. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, no. Um, first of all, uh, just to go back to that joke I said earlier, uh, I'm aware that irrational numbers are also real, so nobody write in, all right? <laughs> um uh, also, uh, Ben Wheatley, uh, I am a uh, Doctor Who podcaster. That's kind of my main thing on the internet that I do right now. Um, and so I, my wife and I do a Doctor Who podcast. You can find that at oispaceman.libson.com, oispaceman.libson.com. I'm probably going to say that a few more times before the end mm-hmm. of the episode, so feel free to pull out your pen and paper. We'll make that happen. <laughs> um, or your keyboard or your phone if you're, you know, like in the 21st century. But me, I like pen and paper, so... Um, but uh, Ben Wheatley directed the first two episodes of Series 8 of Doctor Who, um, which is kind of one of those things, uh, the, the current season that's, that's airing. And uh, he, you know, Series 8 has kind of been, they've, they've kind of been using these kind of indie film directors in Britain a lot, and there's been a real yeah. difference in terms of the visual style. So that was kind of my first thing was I saw that, and I'm like, I kind of want to see something else this guy has made just to kind of get an idea about what he does when he's not directing for this TV show. And so when you said, hey, let's let's do one of his movies, I'm like, done. All right, no problem. So Yeah. And he's, um, he's, he's relatively new on the scene, too. Like, he's done a lot of TV, but this is basically his first big feature. And he's also done two other sort of uh, semi-horror genre, well, actually three semi-horror genre uh, film endeavors. Uh, he's done... Uh, sightseers and a field in England, which I haven't seen yet. And he also did a segment in the anthology uh, horror film, the ABCs of death, which I've actually seen. And it was actually one of the more enjoyable segments of that film. So, um, I was definitely interested in seeing this. Like I, uh, it was recommended by another podcast I follow called slaughter film and they were, they thought fairly highly of it. So I was really interested in getting into this. And, uh, so the film was, uh, uh, written by Ben Wheatley and Amy Jump, and um, just before anyone gets into listening to this podcast, there are going to be a lot of spoilers. This is a film that basically hides a lot from its audience and uh, confuses the audience for a while, 
and so we're going to have to expose some details of the film, I think. Uh, to I think police. even calling it a horror film is almost, like, even just saying it's a horror film gives a spoiler of what this film is. Like, yeah. I going into it, I was not even fully aware it was a horror film, and I think my experience was better for it, honestly. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, this film centers around uh, a couple, uh, a fellow named uh, Jay, uh, played by uh, Neil Maskell, and his wife, Shell, uh, played by Myanna Burring. And um, they have a young son uh, named Sam, and they're having marital problems. Now, uh, first when this film starts out, it alludes to the idea that Jay uh, was in the service. Uh, also, Shell was uh, in the Swedish National Service. And there's, there's sort of uh, hints towards uh, perhaps he's a disabled veteran of some sort um, because they're, they're, very, uh, they're very hurt for money, uh, and it's causing some... Uh, emotional outbursts, uh, a lot of tension between the two. Uh, they're constantly at each other arguing uh, because they've run out of money. And um, lo and behold, uh, his old war buddy, uh, Gal, shows up one day um, and basically offers him, uh, is basically offer, offering him a job uh, to, to get back into work. And we, we soon learn really quickly that they weren't just in the army, they were uh, professional hired killers of some sort, or mercenaries at the very least. And so, basically, they're having a dinner party. Gal brings uh, his new girlfriend named Fiona, played by uh, Emma Fryer, who is gorgeous, by the way. Um, big Biggest eyes I think I've seen on an actress in a long time. <laughs> yes, no. Um, everybody in this movie looks uh, pretty nice, I'll say. Um, the, the two leads, um, actually... Uh, the uh, Michael Smiley is Gal. Uh, mm -hmm. When I first saw him, I thought it was like chubby Tim Roth. I thought Tim Roth might have gained some pounds <laughs> and like you know a little bit of age. He didn't. He doesn't. He has a little bit of that kind of vaguely Tim Rothy kind of face. And then I immediately yeah, went, No, that can't. I mean, that's clearly not right. <laughs> you know. But I did like check it on the internet just to make sure. I'm like, Oh no, no, it's not the same. It's not Tim yeah. Roth. But um, and Neil Masco kind of makes me think a little bit of Tim Freeman. Um, so, mm. you know, I'm kind of, uh, uh, Martin Freeman, excuse me, Martin Freeman. Um, so it, it was definitely a, uh, you know, just to kind of give you kind of what the visual, because these guys are kind of indie actors and I think most of the people listening probably don't, you know, haven't seen this movie or I, th I hope you've seen the movie actually, if you're listening mm. to this, but you know, if you haven't seen the movie, then, uh, kind of gives you an idea about like this, this you know, this guy kind of looks unassuming. He doesn't look like, you know, this kind of big badass roided out killer i mean he kind of looks like you know a copy machine salesman or something you know he yeah. doesn't you know he looks like just an ordinary bloke and 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 and, and, and honestly that's something uh jay sort of uh alludes to when they're having their little dinner party together he sort of pretends that he's in sales you know very um very non-specific about it um but um but yeah, they, they had their dinner party, and of course the, the tensions explode between uh, Jay and Shell. They're they're sniping at each other while their friends here are sort of watching wide-eyed, and a little uh, a little baffled as to what's going on, a little put out. And and at first, this movie feels like it is going to be like a sort of a working class working class drama because basically uh, they they put forward the ideas that these people are hurting from the economy, and uh, Oh, uh, 
here's the friend coming in with a job offer and oh he's doing well so uh that makes uh neil feel like crap rj feel like crap um and it it just it sort of piles on until he basically ruins ruins the dinner and storms out and uh it's up to uh gal actually to sort of mend things um uh, uh i think uh, i'll expand more on that later as to what gal's uh role specifically is actually in a lot of ways in this film um anything else you want to add about the sort of opening act of this film sure sure uh, actually i kind of i kind of get the feeling and again trying to avoid giving away too much detail here at the beginning but this movie kind of exists in three parts it kind of has a horror movie element it has a kind of um working class marriage um drama element mm-hmm. and then it has a you know kind of post tarantino uh hired killers or people too kind of yeah. storyline you know which you see in a lot of kind of british i mean really crime films in general but the brits have really taken it and kind of built it into its own whole genre of various things and it's it's shot in this very naturalistic way throughout it's got this very um you know I don't want to say documentary feel, but it definitely feels a lot of handheld camera, a lot of um, uh, naturalistic staging. Uh, but then, you know, kind of cut, you know, a lot of the cutting is more, um, you cut around in certain actions, like the, the uh, two principal, you know, the husband and wife, Jay and Shell, are mm. kind of in a, in a fight towards the beginning. And then they kind of approach each other, and then you just cut to, and then everything's kind of better. Like, they've just, you know, they're just laughing. Yeah. So you, you, you kind of cut around a lot in the story. Um, and that kind of has some some unsettling effects later on, I think. Um, but it is something that, that's established very early. Um, I would kind of um, not disagree, but I, I wanted to kind of... I came at this movie a little bit differently. I started the movie, and they're saying, you know, like, literally the very first scene is Shell arguing with Shay or kind of screaming at Shay, show dreaming, screaming at Jay, excuse me. The names, I can't keep track of their names. I've literally mm. got the list in front of me because I just know them as the husband and the wife and the, the other guy and the girlfriend, you know, and yeah. so, um, apologies, but, um, shell's kind of yelling at, yelling at Jay and Jay, they're, they're literally getting a screaming fight in like the very first scene of the movie. And I mean, you know, I'm a married man. And if I ever spoke that way to my wife or she spoke that way to me, for a moment, it would be grounds for divorce, I think. You know, like, yeah. this is not like, oh, there's a little tiff. This is like, they are actively screaming at one another. They are very nearly coming to blows. Yeah. Um, and they do this several times in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Um, to the degree that I think if that is something that bothers you, you probably should not watch this movie. You know, if yeah. scenes of, like, domestic strife are in any way upsetting to you um just just skip it <laughs> you really yeah um this is this is these are some of the most um realistic and naturalistic scenes of domestic strife that i've seen in a movie ever mm. um and it's very um it feels very aggressive and very pointed but i think what i was kind of getting at is like one of the very first scene they're arguing about the fact that there's there's this box that ap- apparently used to have uh, you know, $40,000 in it, or 40,000 pounds, and now it's empty. And, yeah. you know, when you hear, okay, there's a box that used to have tens of thousands of dollars in it and is now empty, that's not a legitimate businessman, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Um, and so very, very, very quickly, I think you're kind of given this like, oh, okay, so this guy is up to no good, even if you don't know anything else about it. And the fact that it's called Kill List, I think you pretty immediately think, oh, well, he's probably killing people. Yeah. Um, and in fact, other than the, the the performances are great in the, um, the you know, I'm not, not saying, I'm not really saying anything negative about the movie, but the first third, I was almost like, we've kind of seen this before. I yeah. was, you know, it kind of felt a little tired. Um, not that it wasn't well executed, but that it didn't feel really new. And then it kind of moved in a different direction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the one of the interesting things is uh, that actually the uh, a lot of the dialogue in this film was actually improvised between the actors. So that that's that's one of the big reasons why I think it really does come off as very naturalistic and uh, very true to life. Sort of like a documentary, like you said, because they they talk like real people. They don't they don't talk like actors trying to uh, give information to the audience in a cookie cutter fashion. They're actually talking about stuff that maybe we don't really know about, and we have to actually pick up by actually watching the movie instead of having it told to us right away. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of either given obliquely or given in hints or just not given to us at all. I mean, there are certain like fundamental details in the movie that I feel like at the end there are basic questions about these characters that I just don't know the answer to. And I think that's intended by the filmmaker. I don't think that that's yeah. um, a, a, uh, a necessarily a mark against the film, but that is the kind of film it is to where it's going to leave you with more questions than it answers for you. Yeah. So basically we learn from the dinner party that um, Jay and Gal, the last job they did together was eight months previous and it went bad. It was some sort of, uh, mysterious job in Kiev that didn't go the way they wanted it to. And uh, so ever since then, Jay has been sort of, um, basically, he's he's basically shied away from doing any more work. He, he doesn't want to do it anymore. But um, at this point where he's blown up and where he's desperate, he's, uh, he's basically, okay, I'll take the job. And, uh, the next day when... Uh, Jay and Gal are getting together to uh, meet the uh, clients for the job. Um, Fiona has all but disappeared. She's left basically a Dear John note, uh, they say, on on uh, Gal's uh, cock, apparently, uh, <laughs> after, after a night of sex. And uh, so they're both kind of miffed by that. But uh, they move on anyway, and they meet their clients. And now when they meet their clients, their clients are... First off, they just meet this really strange, nearly albino old man who uh, right away cuts Jay in the hand and does basically a blood pact with him. Um, so you know something's uh, really weird about these people right off the bat, but you're not sure what. Um, As opposed to your standard people hiring people to kill yeah, other people. Like, like, like these, guys, <laughs> the, the, these guys these guys would weird out your regular killers, right? Your right, regular right. thugs. But, you know, you uh, kind of get the feeling that these guys have just been through so much that, like, oh, he sliced my hand. Like, he literally... I mean, this isn't, again, like, you know, the, the scenes of violence in this film are... Especially the, the kind of small little moments like that are not, like, you know... It's neither that we're, like, focused on them in, like, a kind of gory, horrific way, nor is it that we don't look at them, but it's very much like there there is an attention to detail, and, like, it looks like it fucking hurts. It does not yeah. look like, oh, it's a little scratch. Like, this is a serious, serious injury that you or I would go to the hospital for immediately. 
yeah, well, like, well, when he's when he's uh, when he's holding his hand under the sink, trying to right. wash it the wound, like it's just it keeps bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. Like, right, like he's cut to the bone there. Like that hand, I mean, realistically, that hand is not no longer usable. You know, yeah. Um, the rest of the movie do, just can't happen because, uh, you know, it's he's just not able to use his hand any longer to do anything. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I think that I think that that and, and this is something I, I'm jumping ahead just a little bit here, but I kind of get the feeling in the way that a lot of this is shot and the way that a lot of it is um, some of the logic doesn't really make a lot of sense. Mm. And some of the, you know, even, you know, even just in the sense of like, these are like trained killers who don't wear gloves, you yeah. know, um, it feels kind of nightmarish and fragmentary and doesn't really feel like it takes place in a real world it feels like it's just sort of okay this is a this is a genre exercise and we're using this to make a point so when i'm saying like it looked like a realistic person would not be able to use his hand after this incident i think that's in some ways intentional that this is like yeah. okay oh i can just wrap a bandage around it and i'm fine and it's sort of you know it's meant by the filmmakers and i think that that leads to i think even to the very end of the film yeah. Um, so basically, the job is uh, they're to kill three people. Um, they have three three targets, uh, and they actually put up title cards uh, during the movie for each job. Uh, the first person they have to kill is the priest. And um, I should uh, I should uh, mention later on there is a little bit of subtext uh, with uh, Christianity here that sort of flows through the movie. Um, where they're taking shots at uh, Christianity in, in small, small ways. Not necessarily the movies doing it, but the characters themselves are. And it seems like the uh, there are forces driving the plot forward that are taking shots at Christianity. Uh, like even at the dinner party, they start, uh, should I, uh, Galas, should I say grace? And both uh, Jay and Shell are like, no, not at this table. Um, and Fiona actually brings up uh, they they bring up uh, Ireland, uh, doing jobs in Ireland, and Fiona is sort of puzzled. Like, aren't they all Christians? And uh, and uh, Gal is like, uh, well, not 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 all of them are are the same kind of Christians, basically. I kind of got the feeling that uh, Gal was sort of a lapsed Protestant sort of guy, mm. and the negativity he felt towards the Irish was as much about the Catholicism as it was about. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the the feeling I got. Again, it's not stated explicitly, yeah. um, but you're right. There is a there is a kind of um, direct there. Religion kind of runs through this film in a lot of ways, um, yeah. in some interesting ways that are not necessarily. You know, I didn't really think about it until you mentioned it just then. Like how prevalent the religion is in this film. Like when they're sitting in the in that uh, diner in the hotel or whatever, and those Christians are uh, that one guy picks up a guitar and starts singing a Christian song, "Onward, Christian Soldiers," and Jay immediately walks over and takes his guitar away from him, and basically tells him, you know, stuff it, or I'm gonna stuff you somewhere where someone won't find you for a hundred years, basically. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, so the first target is a priest. Uh, so they're a little apprehensive in a way but they're like okay it's a job we got to do it we're professionals so they they wait in the priest's office priest comes in and the weirdest thing the priest turns around and looks at jay uh pointing the gun at him and says thank you 
and turns around and lets Jay shoot him in the back of the head. And their next job is uh, the librarian. Uh, they stake this guy out to uh, basically a storage locker sort of place. Uh, they watch him come out of there. So they go in to find out uh, what storage locker he was in. And they discover a large cache of porn and not the uh, porn most people are into from the sounds of it from a DVD they watch actually in the, uh, in the storage locker. Uh it said, honestly, to me, it sounded like it was uh, children being exploited uh, from the screams. I kind of, I mean, again, it's kind of meant to be a little bit ambiguous because anything that, whatever you're imagining is probably worse than what's, you know, mm-hmm. the filmmaker is going to be able to put on the screen for the most part. Um, I kind of got the impression that there was kind of like ordinary little stroke mags and stuff in that, um, yeah. you know, in the, in the kind of storage locker. But then there was kind of this like little secret stash, and that it had. I kind of got the impression it was snuff films. Um, that that could know, been, yeah. I wasn't thinking necessarily children in, in particular, but like, um, you know, torture, torture porn, but like literal torture porn. You yeah. Know, where they're just torturing people to death. Um, that was kind of the the impression I got. But uh, you know, ultimately, whatever's on the video is so disturbing that. Um, you know they are they are both visibly shaken by it. Yeah. Uh, and Jay's really set off. Like um, as soon as he sees this, it's like we're going to this place, this guy's place, and we're gonna basically kill the hell out of him. Um, so they get to his place, uh, they tie him up, they torture him. Um, Jay is insistent on finding out who's actually running this porn business. Um, so he can go kill those people too. Um, so basically Gal goes upstairs to uh, open up this guy's safe and take whatever money he's got. And while he's doing that, Jay is sitting down with this creep. And this guy also says, um, thank you. And he, he asks Jay, does Gal know who you are, who you really are? Yeah, he, he specifically, like, he sounds like I know you, like, personally. Like, this guy is, like, you know, really gives the impression that I know, like, it's an honor for you to kill me, was kind yeah. of the impression I got. Um, which was, you know, deeply, deeply strange. And then while Gal is out of the room, uh, uh, Jay literally beats the guy to death with a hammer. Yeah, um, one very of the, honest, painfully. Honestly, one of the, like, from, coming from uh, a guy who definitely watches a lot more horror movies than you probably do daniel um i've seen like everything <laughs> basically you can think of on screen and this was up there with brutality like it's really graphic and it's graphic in a very realistic way like it felt very authentic oh yeah no no uh, undoubtedly you watch more horror movies than i do but i i mean i've seen a bit you know i'm not mm. uh, i'm in no way uh you know a blushing virgin when it comes to this sort of thing um <laughs> You know, I've seen the Care Bears movies. Don't don't give me. I yeah, mean, there's some really right. horrifying shit in there. You know, no question. You know, um, no, um, but you know, so so I'm not. You know, I don't I don't feel the need to like prove my bona fides there. But uh, um, you know, the, definitely. But again, violent in a way that, you know, it's it feels more extreme because it feels like it's set in the real world, yeah. and that's partly because of the way it's shot and edited, and part of the way you know just the performances work and the. You know the the camera doesn't linger on the like broken fingers and that sort of thing, but it, um, it looks it looks horrifyingly painful in the way that, um, 
you know, again, it's not even like that much blood and that much nastiness. It just looks really bad. Yeah. Because it looks real as opposed to looking like an effect. Um, but that that's kind of my feeling. What do you? How do you feel about the? Uh, how do you feel about the gore effects in general in this film? I thought they were incredibly realistic, like very well done. Like it, it, they didn't go for like over excessive blood splattering everywhere. They they tried to make it feel very, very realistic, like what you might expect in the back of your head if you were ever confronted with something like this in real life. Like it, it felt very visceral, very real, very uh, off-putting to a degree. And um, yeah, and it's and of course a lot of it has to do with the performances and the way it's directed and the mood and the tone that the whole movie sets it it sort of sets you up to be more affected by it than maybe you would be in like just some uh, random slasher movie you know right um yeah no i mean you know a lot of a lot of effects you know a lot of like the fangoria types and the people that, that get into you know the gore effects as gore effects mm-hmm. um which i haven't i you know i don't it's not my thing but i have respect for it i'm not you know i'm not judging it at all but uh there is this sort of uh idea you know that we that we watch horror movies and we enjoy the gore as an effect. That like, oh, it's really cool that they're able to do that. Look at how gory that looks. Yeah. This doesn't look like that. This just looks like it fucking hurts. You yeah. Know? And uh, just to connect it to what something I was saying earlier about the the scenes, the domestic disputes, look real because they you know they're horrifying because they look really real. Yeah. That same dynamic and that same aesthetic carries through here. Yeah. So uh, basically they do this job and Jay now, he's, you can sort of see a subtle change in his character where he's starting to set on a course where he's getting a little bit out of control and Gal sees it basically immediately, but he figures, okay, he might straighten up. He's not too uh, enthused about going and finding these uh, pornographers and killing them, but he's like, okay, we'll do it. We'll go do it. I mean, he basically just says, well, we're, we're definitely off list now. Yeah. And it just—it seems it feels like these two, you know, these two have clearly worked together for a while. They've kind of this is not their first time together. This is kind of something that happens. You run into some situation where it's like, well, this person deserves to die, and as long as we're just killing people, let's just go kill this other guy too. Well, they're um, they're ov- they're obviously very close friends. I mean, yeah, um, you, you can tell there's sort of a, a sort of a bromance thing going on here, and they both know each other's buttons. Like they've known each other long enough and intimately enough to push each other's buttons at times. Like they they have two actually like not serious fights, but they do tussle. Actually, kind of like teenage boys would like have a fight. Oh yeah, you definitely you definitely get the the kind of. Uh overgrown man children thing mm-hmm. to them at certain places in this film. Um, I think it's also notable that a uh, gal has a sort of relationship of some sorts with, uh, Jay's son. Yeah. Um, that, uh, he takes the son away from the kind of domestic disputes that he, he tries to shield him from that. Um, and in, in, a, in some ways you could argue he's a better father figure to, uh, the son Sam than his actual father is. Mm, well, yeah. Well, as as the story progresses, like, like, well, we discover like early on that he's actually very close fl- friends with Shell as well. Like, they're 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 basically all all three of them are best <clears throat> friends. And Shell and Gal have actually talked behind Jay's back on certain things. Um, and actually, and Shell is she she knows what Jay does for a living. Um, so. 
she she is sort of actually kind of pushing Jay towards doing this job as well. So like she was conspiring a bit with Gal to get to get Jay to be back on the uh, back on the job and get things moving to make some money. So yeah, absolutely. There's this trope that um, you know the the girls, the women in these kind of films are just like they hold the movie back. You know. Mm. Um, they're just kind of, you know, oh, we want to go watch these, these two guys go kill some people and like, you know, even if it's like a kind of dark drama, we kind of want to watch that. And the women in the movie are just kind of holding them back and like, oh, come on, stop being such a spoil sport. I want to mm. watch this guy kill some people. Um, that trope is entirely avoided in the film. Um, if, you know, at first you kind of don't know how much Shell knows, but gradually yeah. you kind of get the impression she's just as bad as he is. Um, yeah. and she, she knows every bit of it. And is uh, you know complacent, if not um, you know actively encouraging of it, and in many cases, it act actively encouraging of it. So yeah. Um, anyway, please continue if you okay. were uh, you know. So they go they go on. Of course, um, Jay basically has Gal wait outside, and you know if you if I'm not out in twenty minutes from the pornographer's place, come get me. Um, well over twenty minutes apparently passes, and Gal goes in there to find out what Jay's doing. He's He's brutally. He's just. Mur he's murdered one of them, and he's just finished brutally murdering uh, the other guy. And now Gal is like, "Okay, we. This is right off the reservation. Like, uh, this basically, you've you've made two really big messes now that I have to help you clean up. And we we it's unprofessional, and we got to think about actually not doing the final tar the final hit." And just trying to find replacements and tell our clients uh, we're out of here because this is too weird at this point. Yep. No. Um, I think it's also notable. You know, they they have a conversation in the car about a dog, about what do you do if the dog mm -hmm. comes in, and it's like, oh yeah, you just shoot the dog. Dogs a dime a dozen. You know. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like the first thing you see when they when a gal opens the door uh, to yeah. to go look for Jay is there's a dead dog. Yeah, if you, if you, honestly, if you're sensitive, if you're a sensitive cat or dog lover, uh, this might not be a film you want to watch. Because or, or or a rabbit lover. A rabbit right. lover as well. Yeah, uh, um, at least twice in the film. The but rabbits. yeah, so basically, they, they decide they're going to quit. Um, but the, they have a meeting with their clients, and their clients aren't happy. They basically say, "If you quit, we're going to kill your family. We're going to kill you," and that's the end of it. And so basically, they're 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 forced to continue the job, and uh, they're they're both questioning their clients at this point. Like, what the hell have you guys got us into? Like, what the hell is going on? And they make some very vague comments about um, this is your job. Like, this is specifically the job, as if it's almost the job you were uh, d destined to do. Like, you're fated to do. And that your cogs in in a, in a wheel uh, are basically cogs in a machine of some sort, um, putting some sort of thing forward that's bigger than uh, all of them. Um, so this is where even the horror elements start creeping in a lot more. Where there there it feels like there's people watching them at all times because uh, at the pornographers they find um, files on them, uh, apparently files from stuff they did in Kiev. And basically just files, uh, pictures and such of people tracking them and keeping tabs on them. And so basically their clients have been keeping tabs on them well before they even hired them for this job. So, And is this the point at which uh, Jay goes to the window and looks outside and sees Fiona looking yeah. back up at him? Yeah. Um, it's sometime right around this portion of the movie. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, suddenly, you know, you're sitting, you know, I was sitting there going, and so Fiona's involved in this somehow? And you kind of like, you know, I was just kind of prepared for like a, a like a double cross or something, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, it turns out that Jay's in, in, in on it with Fiona or, you know, that there's some that, you know, Fiona, that they're trying to kill Gal or, they're, you know, something like set, set Gal up, you know, that's kind of where my brain's headed at this point is, you know. Some fairly like it's weird, but it's a fairly straightforward crime film because yeah. you know I didn't really realize the degree to which this was a horror film. Yeah, um, yeah. There's weird elements, but you're not fully in tune that it's a horror film. So you go into thinking, okay, there's there's obviously some sort of conspiracy going on. There's probably going to be a double cross at some point. Not everything is what it seems, and. So their next their next target is actually a member of parliament. So uh, they 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 basically go and they're 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 staking out uh, this guy's place, and he's got this big ominous like English manor type place. And I mean, it's essentially a castle. I mean, yeah, it's this giant. And he's got all this all these grounds, you know. Um, I, I I actually want to look up where it was. Uh, film because i'm pretty sure there was a doctor who episode film there at some point you know oh yeah it might have been um sometime in the pertwee years you know in the 70s <laughs> anyway um and here's where the here's where the film really does a super big tone shift where it goes full-on horror where it's it's i can see where it had it would be very jarring for a lot of viewers who up to this point think it's oh it's basically a crime drama at this point but but then they see this, and um, the night that they basically uh, at the, during this thing whole thing, uh, Shell is, is taking uh, Jay and her son to their cottage for protection because now they feel threatened by these clients who are obviously watching them. Um, so they go to do the job because they're forced to do it, and they basically witness what looks to be they don't quite spell it out whether it's a satanist uh cult or if it's just some sort of pagan uh sort of cult but basically they watch uh, all these naked people running around with uh, uh masks on and sacrificing a woman by hanging her on a tree and so basically this is where the the, the switch kind of flips to like full-on horror um and uh at this point Jay is just he's had enough and he he starts flipping out and shooting these people when like, like with a machine gun I mean yeah. like full on like they brought a full automatic you know machine gun into this uh you know onto this job which seems a little overkill unless you knew you were going to confront you know 50 people but you know hey mm -hmm. I'm not a gun guy I don't know but well he did it did it did have a scope on it so he so theoretically he could have been just um trying to shoot um uh, uh, one person from a from a distance, but uh, but yeah, they 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 start taking shot. He starts taking shots at these people, and of course, Gal has to help out with that because all of a sudden these people, very weirdly, start running at him, and you know they're not really armed at all except for maybe with like knives or whatever. So, uh, they 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 start charging them and charge them back into the tunnel system they used to get on the property in the first place and this is where unfortunately gal dies um basically holding off these people so jay can get out um, yeah i mean very again a very painful looking horrible death where he yeah. dies essentially um of a, of a gut stabbing um yeah. uh yeah again just a an, another one of those very rough uh death moments yeah and so uh 
Jay does get away. He's visibly shaken uh, by all the events. He thinks back on some of the stuff that's happened uh, in flashback. It appears to uh, show that. Um, and basically he meets up with Shell and Sam at the at the cottage, and he's like, we got to basically, it's all over, um, and we got to get out of here basically because everything's gone batshit at this point. We can't trust the clients to, or anything like that at this point. Um, and basically the, the, uh, cultists attack the, um, cottage and they take Jay prisoner. Uh, what happens to shell and Sam is not quite spelled out at the time. Uh, you, you, you finally get to see, uh, shells sort of military background come into play though, where she takes up a gun and defends the cottage against intruders where you can finally see, okay, yeah, she's basically just as much a soldier as uh, Jay is. And um, then we get to the final scene, which is probably, um, and rightly so, the most startling scene in the whole movie, I think, where the captured Jay is now forced to fight uh, someone titled The Hunchback. And there is some foreshadowing to this very early on in the film, uh, I don't think I'm going to spoil that so much for the viewers. Um, but it brings everything full circle, and it ends on a very nihilistic note that makes it feel like uh, Jay never had a chance to begin with. Like, it was all going to happen this way. It's definitely really one of those where, you know, I said earlier that it's the kind of film that leaves you with more questions than it answers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, we've spent, A, we've spent, you know, 35, 36 minutes kind of going through the plot of this film. Mm-hmm. And there's more that happens. I mean, honestly, like, we jumped over a bunch of stuff yeah. in the, you know, in this film. There's a ton of um, stuff happening, but there's not really a clear through line of the film. And I, you know, where, you know, it's, it's got a lot of, uh, a lot of story, but very little plot. I feel like, you know, yeah. it's just kind of a sequence of shit that happens. And then at the end, you kind of get this really bizarre, um, horrifying moment. And I guess you're supposed to, and you get some reveals right at the end in the last, I mean, mm-hmm. literally 60 seconds of this film. And I guess it's supposed to make you kind of think back and, and reevaluate what you've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, this is that kind of puzzle box filmmaking where I admire the skill with which it's done. But I, you know, I know I, I've, I kind of Googled around. There are tons of people talking about this movie and like what it means and what really happened. And you look at this scene and there's this slight little moment here and all that kind of stuff. And um, for me, I'm just like, I, I, I didn't care enough about the film to really dig into it that deeply. I kind of got to the end and went, oh, well, that was fucked up. I guess I'm just going to move on with my life, you yeah. know? Um, it didn't strike me as, like, such a uh, powerful ending that it that it deserved um, a whole lot more of my time. And I think that that's, you know, if there's anything that I can say that will with all the things that happened in this film, with all the stuff that, all the praise that I have given it to this point, um, I was bored during a big, during large chunks of this film. Um, okay. That's just sort of the, the reality of it. Not that, not that I was, not that stuff wasn't happening, but that I didn't know, I didn't really know where we were going and not in a way that made me want to know more. I felt like the filmmakers were deliberately hiding things and yeah. deliberately having their characters do things that, um, 
didn't make a lot of sense in order to obscure as opposed to trying to reveal. Um, so that's a personal preference of mine. Uh, I apologize. I've, I've kind of, you know, given, given away a little bit more maybe than I meant to, but, um, uh, you know, what did you think? What was, what was your overall impression? Of the film? Um, I really liked the film. Um, I wasn't, uh, I actually, I didn't find any part of the film actually bored me all that much. Like I was actually fairly engaged in all, all parts of it. Um, it was it was it was because because things were sort of like uh triggering for me like uh just just like the score itself from the very beginning was like over the domestic stuff and everything was generally fairly creepy it reminded me of the score of the shining quite a bit honestly oh there's there's a hugely it's a hugely kubrickian film in yeah. a lot of ways um, yeah well the title cards of course sure sure um and uh the wikipedia page for the film you know, director Wheatley was influenced by Stanley Kubrick in that he sought to find imagery first, then wrote the plot around them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, he, you know, Wheatley is deliberately evoking a lot of Kubrick here. Um, and you can kind of uh, pick moments and certainly, you know, kind of say, oh, well, this is kind of a Kubrickian shot. This is a Kubrickian shot. It's kind of uh, cold and desolate in the way that a lot of the really good Kubrick films are. Um, while at the same time having that humanity, but a kind of cold humanity. I mean, it's a very, I mean, visually it's stunning. I think uh, the performances are all amazing. I think that even the script, I don't even like complain about the script. I think that it's well done. I think that just for me, when you start playing games with the audience, um, the reveal has to be something that really kicks your teeth in. And this did not kick my teeth in. Yeah. I was just kind of, you know, that's, I, I, that's, that was the ending, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I think, um, the biggest problem with this film is a lot of people are going to go in watching it and they're not going to want to watch it again. Um, and that's, I, I've, I've watched it, uh, three times. Clearly so, you have a handle on the, on the plot. I watched it yesterday and you remember details. I forgot. So, you yeah. know, also the, ex, uh, the interiors of the hotel they're in uh, early on really reminds me of the shining, like the shots, uh, some like this really lingering, uh, hard shots that don't move. Uh, the actual carpeting and the wallpaper and the long hallways uh, that are that seem uh, narrower than they actually are. Um, I was I was you know that that was just sort of the uh, uh, icing on the cake that uh, I sort of eat up with stuff like this. But um, oh no, absolutely, you know, I, I did all those elements. I now that you're again now that you're mentioning it, I'm like oh yeah, I know that's clearly Kubricki, and I'm I'm it's clearly The Shining as well. Um, mm. So, The Shining is one of my least favorite Kubrick films, which may okay. help dis explain maybe some of the. Uh, you know, I like The Shining just fine. Um, you know, but uh, it's it's definitely not not one that's like on my regular rewatch list. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, definitely the like The Shining is a movie that doesn't really spell out what it's actually about either. Like, it's there's so many interpretations of that film that it's it's just gone beyond ridiculous at this point. But, um, well, it's clearly about the moon landing being fake. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the real one, right? You know, yeah, that was his penance for uh, well, faking the moon landing. And if and if you're you know just just as long as we're talking about The Shining, you know, not to uh, you know Bogart the podcast, but. Uh, you know, the difference is, you know, whereas I, I do really enjoy The Shining, and I feel like the character motivations are, if not clear, at least, like, moment by moment, you kind of get why people are doing what they're doing. 
Whereas I think Kill List, you know, Kill List does not achieve the level of The Shining. Yeah. It is not one of the greatest horror films ever made, no. you know. Um, you know, which, you know, damning with faint praise, I suppose. But, uh, you know, I think that that's sort of my thing. Like, I'm perfectly fine if it's ambiguous and fragmentary, but I just need to know kind of what's going on in the moment. I need to just get a get a sense of motivation. Mm. But when people are kind of do, doing things that... I don't know. I you know it strikes me in the moment when they're trying to get out of the job when they're like you know oh we we can just find replacements they even look like us yeah. and the answer is no it's like well um, well we said no <laughs> you know it feels like we we've seen this before and it seems like there are you know okay well I guess we have to do it then you know, like you know, yeah. like it, it feels like this is not a um, you know, the, the motivation of, like, why the fuck are you still doing this if you're, you know, why are you trying to get out of it? Like, why not just go try to kill these guys or something, you know? Um, it just, again, it just sort of seems like a, um, you know, the movie isn't about that. The movie is intended to be kind of nightmarish and fragmentary and, um, you know, that it's meant to kind of not work according to, like, ordinary logic that we would expect in the real world and i don't necessarily mind that i guess that it's just sort of when those little moments add up in that way and i feel like the filmmaker is manipulating me that's when i start to uh, lose interest um yeah so. i i definitely felt felt like uh ben wheatley was manipulating the audience but i didn't feel like he ever uh really cheated me in any sort of way um uh, I think I think the the gen like just my interpretation of the film. I think the general subtext is uh, you know it's not necessarily spelled out as Satanism, but there's definitely a, a hint towards some sort of uh, uh, clandestine pagan thing going on because these are members of society who are basically high up in society. This isn't like the Wicker Man, where the entire pagan cult was just some rural cult of people basically on an isolated island. This is like there's some sort of grand scale thing going on here that obviously has been set into motion years before this movie started. And I feel like uh, Jay might possibly be some sort of incarnation of whether, whether it's uh, the antichrist or some sort of leader or God or something along those lines, because it seems like his, the way his character shifts, he gets more violent his inner rage comes out more and more to the point where at the end, after he's committed this really horrible act, he seems to have accepted it. Like he, like it's, it clearly sets up in the beginning of the movie that he loves his wife. He loves his kid. Yes. He's, he's having marital problems and stuff like that. But I mean, it seems very clear that he, he loves both of them dearly. And I think his humanity basically gets stripped away as he does each job it almost feels like each job is some sort of sacrifice to bring him to that point. And I, I, like I mentioned earlier, the role of Gal, he's almost, he almost feels like the uh, conscience of, of Jay. Like he almost feels like uh, they're both one half of the same person to me. Uh, of course, that's not to be like literally taken, but I think maybe the subtext of the film uh, for me personally, it, it makes it feel like Gal is sort of the guy who questions. Gal's the guy who still has his heart in the right place, who's still human, uh, even if he is a hired killer or whatever. But um, he's the one who 
uh, he's like basically one of the last ones to be sacrificed. Uh, the uh, the attack on the MPs uh, place there that's like the final straw where um, where uh, Jay's basically lost the last real bit of his humanity and sets him up for whatever he's changing into at the end of the film. And of course the film doesn't spell out what it is. And actually I kind of like that about the film because it's left ambiguous. And honestly, I think questions are more scary than having something spelled out for you. Like, yeah, he's the antichrist or, you know, yeah, he's, uh, some pagan hunting God or some, whatever See, you know i didn't i didn't read it that way at all as if there was like some real supernatural force going on within mm. the world of the film i read it as you've got a bunch of you know i read it as kind of a nature death cult you know mm-hmm. um you know we we worship nature and we kill ourselves and we kill ourselves in painful ways because we're evil and we deserve to suffer or something you know like i, I you know you don't really get a sense of who they are, but you look at the imagery, you know, it's very nature imagery and they're, they're doing these kind of weird diagrams and, um, they are, uh, very, uh, eager to be killed or Mm -hmm. tortured. Um, and it seems to be, Oh, it's an honor to finally get to die. So I kind of got the feeling it's some kind of like nature cult sort of thing. Um, I also just didn't really get the feeling that, you know, if you want to interpret like the way you have, I think that's an interesting way to interpret it. I interpreted it more as, you know, maybe these are really powerful people who have had access to uh, Jay's files, mm-hmm. who know that he's this killer, that he has, um, you know, this destructive impulse within him, that he has poor impulse control, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. I kind of get the feeling that they did the job in Kiev and it went really badly and they barely got out of it or something like that. Yeah. And this is a guy who has a lot of blood on his hands, but who has tried to leave it behind. And then this job was kind of meant to bring him in because they want him to be, I mean, essentially they want him to kill them or they want him to make people suffer Mm. for their own psychotic reasons. But I didn't get any kind of sense of there is some real supernatural thing going on. I just got the sense that these are just some fucked up people manipulating one another like like that that was kind of my interpretation of the film, yeah, well that's, so. that's actually like that's that's a perfect that's uh, an equally valid like interpretation i think like that works just as good um i i, I personally like for me the the supernatural elements i i were hinted towards supernatural for me were like early on where fiona carved the symbol in the back of the mirror like it, it felt like there would be no other real reason to do that unless it had some sort of some sort of power of like marking Jay for this. Well, I believe that I believe that in that scene, Fiona believes it has power. Yeah. But I don't believe that the film gives us a reason to think that there is some supernatural force acting here. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, you you can choose to interpret it either way. I'm not, I'm not trying to argue with you in that regard, but there's never like a moment to where the force of the devil is acting specifically in the film. And unless you want to like look at the big picture of like how these things have been set into place or whatever, but that's all interpretation, you know. Yeah. There's never a moment where like, well, clearly, you know, <laughs> clearly the devil made that happen, you know. Or, yeah. Um, but uh, but I but that's the thing. Like taking my interpretation, um, that's the thing I like about the film that it doesn't clearly like throw a big 
red devil standing there going, ha, 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 I've got you, or have Jay at the end have his eyes start to glow or something along those lines. I think it makes it a bit more unnerving for me in my interpretation that, yeah, there is some sort of power, but it's not showing itself directly. It's just manifesting through how it directs these people towards whatever goal you know, whatever nebulous goal is going on. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you in a, uh, you know, like I, I, again, I think your interpretation is perfectly valid and I like your version of it. I almost, I, I almost do want to watch it again now just to see, just to watch it with that in mind and see, you know, how the pieces fit together in my head that way. Mm. But, um, you know, it's just, I, I, you know, the film has been deliberately been left ambiguous yeah. so that we can have this conversation. Yeah. So uh, I guess we could um, basically uh, wrap up here. Um, yeah, we've been uh, going on for a little bit under an hour or so. Yeah. So uh, I think it's definitely a film worth uh, uh, watching and, and talking about because I think the best films, honestly, whether whether even if you don't like it that much, it's still a film that's worth discussing. And I think Ben Wheatley is an incredibly talented director. Like, I think he's got a lot of really good style. And the stuff he apes... He doesn't just say, oh, look what I did there. Look who I uh, referenced. He actually incorporates it into the film in a way that I think it works very well, where it's just underneath. It's not right up in your face. So it just, it's just, it's just you know, it just adds a little bit of extra, uh, and again, a little bit of extra frosting to the cake, basically. You know, it's, it, he, he, he does a really great job, I think. I think he's quite a talented director, honestly. He's absolutely a, a talented director. I'll be interested to see where he goes from here. Mm. Um, I would watch his other two films, and his uh, two episodes of Doctor Who were, were good. So, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, again, we're not talking about Doctor Who in this podcast, but, you know... <laughs> uh, Definitely worth uh, mentioning. Those two episodes were were well directed, and there are some really interesting moments there. Um, and you kind of get some of the same visual style in some of the some of those same moments. Um, I think that for me, I think to to echo what you're saying, you know, when you say when I say it has Kubrickian elements and that sort of thing, it doesn't feel like somebody's aping Kubrick. It feels like somebody has been inspired by Kubrick. Yeah, uh, which I think is a, is a very subtle, you know, sometimes a subtle distinction. But I think it's a profound one, and I think that, uh, you know, in particular with Wheatley's direction, you know, you don't get a feeling that, like, and this is the Kubrick homage shot. You just get the, yeah. like, uh, it's just kind of shot like Kubrick would shoot it, you know. Um, so, you know, and that's 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 the kind of point. And really more early Kubrick than late Kubrick in a lot of ways, because, you know, he does these, you don't get, like, ponderous shots here. It gets, it's mm. very, um, very... You know, gritty is an overused word, but it's gritty, it's handheld, it's naturalistic is probably yeah. the best word to use to yeah. describe it. Okay, so uh, I liked it a bit more than Daniel, but I think we both definitely uh, enjoyed the film, to, to some degree at least. Uh, if you have Netflix Instant, you can watch it for free, and mm -hmm. it's only 95 minutes long, and it's definitely uh, worth, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely worth watching, especially if you're, um, in the market for a, something that's a little bit more of a, uh, you know, crime film slash horror film hybrid sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, certainly if you, uh, if you're interested in the kind of debate that we started having at the end, um, I'd certainly be interested in seeing other people's thoughts about that element of like, 
is there something supernatural going on or not? Um, yeah, I, I will have a way for people to comment, um, and we're, I'd be very interested in what other people's interpretations of this film, uh, whether they liked it or didn't like it. If they think we're fucking stupid, please tell us. If you think we're geniuses, please tell us. If you uh, think Lee is stupid, let me know. If you think, you know. I think it's time to uh, basically start plugging stuff. So, Daniel, uh, what would you like to plug? Perhaps your Doctor Who podcast? No, no. I, I, I'm embarrassed to even mention that on this show now. <laughs> uh, you can find me at uh, Oi Spaceman. That's oispaceman.lipsa.com. Uh, uh, if you check us out on Facebook, Oi Spaceman, Oi Spaceman. Um, I'm also Daniel Lee Harper on both Tumblr and Twitter, and I've been on Twitter fairly regularly lately. So, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. A hold of me, if you want to do, just get a hold of me personally. Yeah, and uh, you can find me on YouTube, uh, Lee Russell on YouTube, uh, Hoagley Beer Reviews. Um, you can uh, email me at hoaglyreviews at gmail.com. It's H-O-U-G-L-Y reviews at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's about it. Uh, there's going to be a sort of a tradition here for this uh, podcast until... Yeah, the copyright people start knocking us and make us stop uh, where we pick a piece of music from a soundtrack from a film that we like that somehow relates to the film we're watching. So uh, this time around, I'm going to do it. And uh, next time we do one, we'll get Daniel to pick something. Um, I picked uh, Lontano from uh, Grigori Legati, who did uh, some of the music for The Shining, which reminded me a lot of this film. So... Uh, I think that will work. I, I'm not going to play the full 10 minutes. It'll <laughs> probably just be a, a couple minutes and we'll fade out. But uh, until then, uh, thank you very much. And thanks, Daniel, for uh, co-hosting with me. Uh, pleasure to be here. I uh, hope to be here every week if we can. Mm. All right, guys. Goodbye.